This was a rather embarrassing day for the British Prime Minister David Cameron. He became the focus of an inquiry that he himself ordered into Britain's media ethics. That inquiry was launched in the aftermath of the telephone hacking scandal, something that's shaken Rupert Murdoch's media empire. Well, today Prime Minister Cameron was grilled about his close relationship with Rupert Murdoch and several of Murdoch's top executives. John Burns is a London bureau chief for the New York Times. And, John, I know you have been watching David Cameron's grilling in this inquiry. How close was he with Rupert Murdoch's inner circle, and why is it so much at issue? Well, he was very close, and he hasn't attempted to disguise that, and it has been seriously embarrassing. His defense is that his close relationships with the Murdochs and their executives was pretty much the same as the relationship that had been sought by previous prime ministers, certainly by uh, Tony Blair and Gordon Brown, the two Labour Party prime ministers who preceded him. But today's testimony will offer a new headline, and it goes right to the heart of this issue, because we saw today yet another text previously undisclosed, this time between Cameron and Rebecca Brooks, who was the chief executive of the Murdoch newspaper empire in Britain, forced to resign over this scandal, now facing a criminal indictment for perjury. And the text was toe-curlingly embarrassing for Cameron. Just as Cameron was about to make his annual speech to the Conservative Party conference, Rebecca Brooks sent him a text which said, and I quote, I am so rooting for you tomorrow, and not just as a proud friend, but because professionally we're definitely in this together. And then she added, and Americans will recognize the reference, she completed her text by saying, speech of your life, yes, he can. That's C-A-M, as in Cameron. Yes, he can. That was probably the most embarrassing moment of today's testimony for for David Cameron. And uh, David Cameron's reaction, the prime minister's reaction when that text was read? In a day, five hours of testimony in which he, on the whole, looked pretty unflappable. I think it was one moment when he looked a bit more flushed than, other, than at other times and felt awkward about it. But it's, it wasn't a smoking gun. There was no smoking gun today. David Cameron ends the day, I would say, in some respects, better off than he began it, if only because he navigated what was seen as being a potentially very difficult encounter at the inquiry for him without uh, the inquiry council ever really landing a serious blow. I mean, with everything we learned today, we already knew. Cameron, the point has been made, is just one of a string of prime ministers who has tried to to charm the media in Britain. Is there any kind of equivalent that you can see in terms of power politics in the media in the United States? I think it would be foolish to deny that there are some echoes of this in the United States. The coziness, if you will, of some media organizations uh, with uh, administrations in Washington. I think it's worth here. Concentration of media ownership is one issue. I mean, just to give you one example, Rupert Murdoch's newspapers, until he closed the notorious News of the World last year, they claimed 40% of the newspaper readership in Britain. And this is when he already controlled B-Sky-B, which is the most lucrative and a widely watched private satellite broadcaster in this country. So Murdoch has had an enormous influence. John Burns, London Bureau Chief for the New York Times, speaking to us from London. Thanks a lot. Thank you.